Welcome to Inspiration Rising. My name is David Trotter, and I'm a transformation coach dedicated to inspiring women and the men who support them to rise up in life, love, and leadership. Oh, I've got a doozy of an episode for you today. If you haven't noticed, I am very passionate about positive mental health. If you want to get unstuck and experience a meaningful life, it starts with what's going on in your brain. It's all between the ears, what's going on in your mind. And yet it can be extremely challenging when the chemical makeup of our brains is actually fighting against what we're trying to create in this world. Now that's why you must meet Scout Sobel. She is the founder of Scout's Agency, a PR agency that specializes in podcast and women's voices, brands, and companies. She's also the co-host of the OK Sis podcast and host of the new Scout podcast. Now, I came in contact with Scout because she was emailing me pitching people for the Inspiration Rising podcast. We've actually had some guests that she's pitched, and I'm greatly appreciative for that. Yet, she actually said, David, I would love to share my story on your show. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And I kept reading down the email, and whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys, she has gone through so much in life, and I believe you will be deeply inspired by her story. You'll hear all about her windy path of dealing with all sorts of mental health challenges, the daily tools that she uses to cultivate fulfillment in her life, and how she started and grew her PR agency to a revenue of six figures in her first year. You are going to absolutely love Scout. Now, before we jump into this conversation, I want to read you one of the recent five-star Amazon reviews of my new book, Empowered to Rise. It is written to help you embrace your true identity, uncover your superpowers, and bring your inspiration to the world. Listen to what Michaela from Germany writes. She says, I read this book in two sittings. It's an easy read, but deep nonetheless. It made me laugh, feel deeply, explore my own life, and I came out the other side more content about the past and motivated for the future. The author tells entertaining stories, interweaving pearls of wisdom gained from a wide variety of life experiences. He also provides practical exercises for the reader to explore their own life. So if you're ready to get unstuck and take your life to the next level, I want to encourage you to pick up my new book, Empowered to Rise. It's available at a very easy link that I'm providing to you. It takes you right to the Amazon page. The link is insporising.com slash book. That's insporising.com slash book. If you can't remember that, swipe up on your phone and you'll click the link in our show notes. All right, let's jump into my conversation with Scout Sobel. Well, Scout, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with me today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have a chat with you. I am really fascinated by your story, your journey. You have had some mental health challenges, and so have I. So that's not a, and many people do, obviously. Um, but tell me about when in your life did you start to experience some of those mental health challenges? When did you start to notice it? Yeah. So um, I had my first depressive episode when I was 14 and um, my first boyfriend broke up with me. And then my mom got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis all in the same week. Oh my and 
Yeah. And it wasn't as if this wasn't brewing, right? Like if you look back on my journals from eighth grade, you can see that I was already a very emotional child. And um, so I fell really hard. I started cutting myself, restricting food, um, throwing up if I did eat food, wearing sweats every day, not showering, just really letting myself go and entering into this very deep depression. And um, obviously my school found out about the self-harm and my parents put me into therapy, which I completely resisted as like a rebellious teenager um, until I finally found a therapist that I somewhat jived with. And I, it was, it's interesting because my friends weren't in therapy. I was really the only one, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm 28 years old. This was like 2005. And even back then that wasn't something that was super talked about like it is now, but I never felt any stigma or judgment. Maybe I didn't tell people. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Um, but I went through high school like that, but it wasn't until I turned 20 that I was formally diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Mm, okay. And so that you were having depressive episodes, but then were you also having manic episodes where you were really flying high? Yeah. So um, I am type two and type two bipolar disorder is when you lean more towards the depressive side and the mania is actually hypomania. So it's just really subtle. It's not dangerous. um, And it's more just kind of you're in such a good mood that you forget about the dark times. And um, you just kind of like, so my pattern is that I get depressed every three months and I go through like three months of depression and then I come out of it and then I go through three months of depression. So my mood just fluctuates. I don't rapid cycle. Um, my cycles are a lot longer. And um, if you're wondering what type one is, type one is when you are more prone to mania and mania is your main um, symptom. So I don't have so much experience with mania. I have Mm -hmm. definitely, you know, I have experience with hypomania where I spend a little bit more, I talk faster. Um, I'm just like super pumped, um, which feels great. Um, But, and uh, so yeah, I deal more with the depressive and psychosis side um, of bipolar. Okay. And so what are all the ways you talked about therapy since you were, you know, 14, what are all the ways in which you and your family sought to, you know, find assistance or find help through this process? Yeah, it's been a long time. I mean, I think in high school, my parents were really supportive of me going into therapy, um, but we didn't think it was a mental illness, right? We thought it was a teenager who was um, reacting poorly to her mother's diagnosis and just going through the trials and tribulations of hormones and all that mm-hmm. good stuff. So when you're in high school, it can be very easily easy to dismiss what's happening you know, emotionally um, during that time. And it wasn't until I left for college, I moved up to Berkeley to go to the city college up there. And I started having um, paranoia that men were following me home, that they were under my bed, that they were on my balcony, in my closet, in my car, waiting to come rape and kill me. And I would plan escape routes in my head. Um, of how I was going to escape. And it felt so real to the point that people had to check my car before I got in it. And that's when I started realizing like, you know, I don't think this is normal. Like this is, I'm losing touch with reality. And so Mm. I called my dad crying. I remember crying so hard and him again thinking, well, it's your first year, you know, away from home. My parents just got divorced. Maybe she's just, you know, reacting to that emotionally. 
But it became very clear that my symptoms were not the regular, you know, and I say regular quote unquote, but they weren't healthy practices that a mind should be going through. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started my journey of medication. And um, I have had a journey of 10 years on medication. And I just recently found the right medication, which we can talk about. But once I was diagnosed with bipolar, and the word was thrown around a lot between different psychiatrists and therapists for about a year before I was formally diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, once it was diagnosed, I, was, I remember they said it was called manic depressive. And at that point, I didn't even know what manic depressive was. I mean, now the word bipolar is so thrown around. I thought my life was over. I thought I was a crazy person. This is it. I'm done for. I left college the next morning. Um, got straight on a plane home and um, dropped out of college and went through outpatient programming. But that's really when my family started seeing, um, you know, this is a disease and an illness. And it took my dad a little bit of time to understand what that meant. And I remember my stepmom sending him articles um, to really understand that this was something out of my control. And once it clicked with him, I mean, he was always an amazing support. But then once it really clicked with him and he understood what mental illness was, Mm -hmm. he became my biggest advocate, you know, advocating for me in, in doctor's offices and all that stuff. But it put a big strain on my family. Um, you know, panic attacks on vacation in Paris where my dad has to like escort me out of the building because I'm having Mm. a freak out, you know, and just, I mean, sucks to say, but it ruins the mood, you know? So, um, I, you know, just quite frankly, um, but there was a lot of suicidal ideation and that my parents had to, I mean, um, deal with, I remember my stepmom wanting to drive over in the middle of the night to stay with me because she was afraid I was going to do something. And, I was 5150 at one point. So there were a few years where my mom and my dad and my step parents were my core support system. And um, it was tough for them. It, you know, mental illness really hurts the person who suffers, but it hurts the people around them just as much. Mm-hmm. My goodness. And so you, I assume they started putting you on some sort of antidepressive, medi- antidepressant medication at some point and trying to get that, uh, the right medication or the most helpful medication. I know it's going to be such a challenging, how many medications have you been on? You know what I mean? How did that journey play out for you? Yeah. So a lot of people have great luck with medication and they go on one or two and it works for them. Um, I was not the case. Uh, I went through, I can't, I lost count on how many medications I've been on. And not only did I go on so many medications, but I also had really bad side effects to a lot of them. Mm. So one of them put me in a manic state for a week and I went nuts for a whole week. One of them, I couldn't get out of bed till 1 PM. So there goes working, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, I gained 25 pounds. Thanks doctor. That was before my wedding. And um, so that kind of sucked. And then other ones made me physically sick. Um, other ones made me more suicidal. And so um, it was a really difficult time. And there was a lot of times in my journey where I was really anti-medication. I didn't feel as if it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt holistic measures were the best. And I just was sick and tired of doctors throwing something at me. And then my body going through physical distress just for me to get better. I remember, you know, wake, like couldn't even get out of my bed at 1 p.m. and saying, is this what I have to go through to feel better? Mm-hmm. This isn't a life. And I had a new psychiatrist because I switched... Um, health insurance. And I went to go visit him and I was done. I said, I'm doing um, electric shock therapy. I'm Mm. done. I will go through it. I don't know how it's going to change me. I don't know what it's going to do to my brain, but I am done. And I have no other option at this point. Mm -hmm. And he said, you haven't tried Latuda. And I said, 
and my old therapist used to talk about Latuda constantly. And I was like, okay, you're right. I, that's the one I haven't tried. Like, so what? And he's like, let's just, let's just try it. Mm. And I tried it and it changed my life. And, um, it is really, I mean, of course I still, you know, have to keep my mental health in check. And over the years since medication did not work for me, I was able to garner a set of tools that are so compact and so effective, Mm. which, you know, I guess is God's way of making me go through that so I can be individually mentally strong. But, um, thank God I found the medication that really works for me and has helped. I haven't had a depressive episode since July. Good, 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 good. And Latuda is specifically um, utilized for a bipolar diagnosis or for depression or what, what is it? Oh, I forget. I think it's, um, it's bipolar, it's mood disorder and psychosis. I think, okay. um, a lot of it is the psychosis. So I deal with psychosis problems too. So, um, that, yeah, it's the mixture, I think of mood disorder and psychosis. And then I'm also on Prozac with it and we don't know if it's working, but we don't want to like change anything right now. Mm-hmm. And then I take, um, yeah, just those two for my mood disorder. Mm-hmm. And what exactly is psychosis? How does that impact you? Yeah. So, um, psychosis for me is I hear voices in my head and, um, most of the time they tell me to kill myself. They tell me really, really bad things. They tell me to hurt myself, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Um, sometimes they're like, I go through two different psychosis, which is interesting. Um, sometimes it feels like someone has implanted a thought into my brain that is not my own. So it appears as a thought, but I know it's not mine. I'm like, there's someone in my brain. And then other times I hear it audibly outside of my, myself. Mm. Um, mild hallucinations twice. Um, and so, yeah, that's my, and then paranoia, losing touch with reality, thinking people are, you know, attacking me, um, following me down the street, stuff like that. So that's what my psychosis looks like. Um, Mm. and then I also deal with catatonia, which is when I, um, if I get too anxious over a certain period of time, I become, uh, paralyzed. My nervous system fries out and I can't move my body. And that lasts anywhere from two minutes to six hours to a month. So, um, that's another, I, I deal with like these, that's very rare for bipolar, but people with bipolar disorder do experience catatonia. Wow. Wow. My goodness. I am, uh, I'm overwhelmed just hearing all this, you know, it, it's amazing what you've been able to go through. And now that you're, you know, finding your way, finding your path, being successful in life. This is awesome. I'm so happy for you. Um, thank you. Talk to me about the, um, more natural ways that you've been able to cope with, you know, challenges that you've had, things that you were doing, kind of, you said this, uh, you, I think you called it a compact group of tools or something like that, that were able to help you prior to getting um, some medication that was working for you. What do those things look like maybe in your daily life? Yeah. So the first thing that started changing my life was my mindset. Um, When I met my husband, who was then my boyfriend, he said to me, I don't care if you're depressed. I'll, I'll date you if you're depressed, right? Essentially. He said, I care if you're depressed and hopeless. I don't care if you're depressed and hopeful. Hmm. And so I said, what would my daily life look like if I infused hope into it? What hmm. would happen? Just what would happen, right? And I started doing that. And then I started getting into support groups, which what are amazing. It, what did yeah? it look like though? How, how, did you, how did you become hopeful on your daily life, in your daily life? Um, it gave me energy. I all of a sudden wanted to do things, right? So I but wanted to- How did you to, get it? How did you get the hope? I lost so many things. Um, I lost my college experience. I lost friends. I lost um, the normalcy of being a 20-year-old. Um, I moved in with my parents. I lost jobs, internships. And I saw 
a man standing in front of me that, you know, is now my husband. And I got to a point where I didn't want to lose that as well. Hmm. And so that really gave me the strength to just start anything. And what's interesting, and I've heard this from other people with mental illness, I remember crying to my mom and saying, but I don't know what you want me to work towards. I don't know what it's like to live a balanced life that's not always in chaos and turmoil. So you're asking me to, you know, look on a map and find a destination, but I don't know what that destination is. So how do I know what steps, how do I know the steps that I'm taking Mm -hmm. are the right ones towards the destination that you want me to get to? Mm. And that was very complex, right? So I left it up to faith. I found a higher power and I prayed a lot and I, um, did actually the 12 step program. Um, they, you can do it for depressions anonymous. You can do it for stuff like that. Hmm. Um, cause my husband's almost nine years sober. So he introduced me to that method. And, um, I started just one by one, you know, I started in into integrating gratitude every day. I would write three things that I was grateful for. Um, and then I started really getting into the spiritual and holistic practices. So for example, I go for cupping and acupuncture, uh, twice a month. It's a non-negotiable. It's amazing for my anxiety. I use essential oils. I meditate. I journal first thing in the morning. I wake up, I grab my coffee. I sit down, I journal for one to two pages. Um, just no judgment, whatever comes through. Um, so that's been a really great practice. Um, I use ashwagandha in the morning. I pray. What is is ashwagandha? Ashwagandha is um, an adaptogen and it's essentially really good for stress relief and mood balancing and um, creative energy. And I take it every single morning just to support that aspect of myself. Um, so there's a lot of things. How do you take it? I don't know anything about it. Like educate me on it. Like what? Yeah. I have it right here. Oh, a, you can take it in a powder or this is um, a tincture. Okay. And I just put it under my tongue for 30 seconds to a minute in the morning. Okay. And it tastes disgusting. Um, it's a <laughs> dietary. It's really gross. It's an Ayurvedic antioxidant, essentially. And um, it says this potent elixir may support mood, creativity, immune strength, hormonal balance, sexual vigor, and stress relief. Okay. Um, there's a lot of benefits a, there. It's an amazing thing. Yeah, you should take it every morning. It's incredible. Um, so I take um, some of like Ayurvedic tinctures, stuff like that. Um, CBD is really helpful. I'm into CBD, obviously therapy, working out. You know, um, I read the Daily Stoic every morning. I do a meditation of the Daily Stoic every morning. I'm really big into Stoicism. So I have all of these routines and things that I do every single day, right? Yeah. Like every day, no matter what. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that gets overwhelming. Like, why do I have to wake up, journal, manifest, then read the Daily Stoic, then take my ashwagandha, then put my orange essential oils on, you know, then take my vitamins like, and go through the whole day. And then if I'm anxious, then I got to go back to my journal and write. And then I got to, you know, my night routine is I put my phone away and then I read for 30 minutes. You know, it like gets a little bit overwhelming, but at the same time, my life is so much more enriched. And Mm. in life, you have two options. You do it or you don't do it. Right. So, you know, the other option sucks. So I'll take this one. You know what the other option is for you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Let's be honest. All this social distancing, working from home, educating the kids, listening to the news, it's more than overwhelming. It's corona-whelming. See what I did there? Now imagine, just for a moment, if that 
buzz of anxiety, that heaviness of worry, if all of that was lifted from you, imagine what it can feel like if you are willing to embrace your power to make creative, thoughtful decisions about your future. Not only is this possible, it's exactly what you can expect when you apply the principles that I teach in a powerful mini course called Overcoming Corona Whelm. If you go to insporising.com slash overcoming, that's insporising.com slash overcoming, learn more about this short mini course called Overcoming Corona Whelm. If you use the coupon code PEACE50, you'll get $50 off. I was up until 12 years ago, a total workaholic, and Mm -hmm. I had a buzz in my being that the only way that I, I didn't even realize I had a buzz, like a, you know, just kind of inside me. And it led to me um, funneling that toward work. And then I had a total meltdown, um, breakdown 12 years ago and checked myself into the hospital for three days. I ended up getting a brain scan through the Dr. Daniel Amen clinic. He wrote a book called Change Your Brain, Change Your Life and ended up getting on some anti-anxiety and anti-depression medication. And uh, it has changed my life. It has taken away that buzz and allows me just to be present. And um, I still um, will go through seasons where I do feel down. Um, Oftentimes for me, it's connected to if I'm feeling a lack of purpose or like um, purposefulness you know, in that particular season for whatever reason, you know, in between projects or something of that nature. But um, man, I know, um, obviously I have not experienced anywhere close to all the challenges you've experienced, but it just feels good when you find a rhythm that works for you. You know, it just feels so good. And I tell people that 12 years ago, um, I made a shift in my life where the number one value for me personally was peace, that nothing mattered more in my life than my personal peace. Because if I didn't feel peaceful, I wasn't going to have a good marriage. I wasn't going to be a good dad. I wasn't going to be a good business owner or, you know, help anybody else in the world. I had to have peace. And it seems like weird. I don't hear other people say that, but I just know for me, if my mind is at peace, I'm good. And so I don't take on marketing projects. I don't take on clients. I don't take on any kind of thing if it's going to negatively, you know, severely impact my peace. Like we all have to go through challenges, you know, do challenging things that we don't necessarily want to do. I do challenging things every day that I don't, like, I don't really want to do X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Um, but if I'm, I'm not going to enter into some sort of working relationship that, that somehow um, causes that peace to be jostled because I know it's not going to be good for me mentally. Um, And that is such a gift, right? Like that's such a gift that you have. And I have the same one, but for me, the word is fulfillment, right? It's fulfillment. But there's so many people that can't be self-aware to understand that if something comes into their energy field and it affects them negatively, they don't understand where that feeling's coming from. Therefore they do things that aren't in their highest alignment. Mm -hmm. But you and I have a very clear filter, right? We can, we can, we can look at things and say, no, that doesn't serve me. So I'm going to wake up at the age of 50 and say, I lived a good life because I knew what was good for me and what wasn't. And so sometimes you have to laugh and say, wow, like I went through all of that shit to really bring me to a point where I knew how to live a meaningful life. And that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I have even had 
multiple situations in the last few years where I've walked away from monthly retainer money because it was impacting my peace, Mm -hmm. you know, and not to say that, could I have um, figured out a way to deal with that situation better? So it would, you know, I would be able to continue to be at peace possibly, but I wasn't in a place where I could do that at that point in time. So I'd rather be without the money and with the peace any day. Um, and, and that's a, that's a hard decision. You know, I see so many people, even, um, coaching clients that I work with that are, you're stuck, you're chained to that money. You know, you're chained to that job. You're chained to that boss. You're chained to that partner, whatever it is. Um, it's like, well, but I, 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 I am counting on this, you know, and until you're willing to walk away from something, you may not find that peace or that fulfillment, as you said. And that just says if, I mean, and then if you think about it, if you walk away from things that don't serve you, that are ultimately unhealthy for you, opportunities are going to come into the door that are good for you. So I've walked away, same as you. I walked away from a deal um, because I felt as if my freedom and my stress levels would have been compromised and it was good money and I, I didn't do it. And then the next month I had my biggest month in my business with clients that really aligned with me. So people think that there's a scarcity of opportunities, right? So they have to hold on. If they get a client that's a big client, you got to hold on to it because who knows if you're going to get a client in the next day. But if you come from a place of the world will give me what the world should give me, you mm. will find that you are in alignment with what you, what you have right now. Mm. And your peace of mind, as you said, will be intact. Mm-hmm. You said you're, for you, the word, the filter is fulfillment. What, mm-hmm. is that, what does that mean for you? Why is that so important? Um, fulfillment is a sense of waking up every day and being stoked about what I'm doing. Um, really feeling as if my cup is being filled with authenticity, with creativity, um, with something that doesn't, I don't like the word happiness because happiness is so fleeting and it's not something that we should be striving towards. Fulfillment is something I feel like really deep in my chest, right? Like under my heart that really anchors me and grounds me. Mm. So everything I do has to make me feel alive and energetic and yet at the same time, calm and grounded, really like that great, beautiful balance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know why I, I didn't make the conscious effort to chase after fulfillment. I just realized one day how fulfilled I was by the projects I chose to take on. Mm-hmm. And I loved that feeling so much. And I felt that it was sustainable over a long period of time versus something like happiness. Mm-hmm. And so that's become kind of my word. That's cool. So um, you have found fulfillment in lots of different ways, but I know a couple of years ago, you started podcasting on your own and mm-hmm. you were doing other jobs and, and, and different things. Why did you start a podcast initially? So funny story, I started a podcast um, because my husband was really into podcasts and I lived next door. This is so weird. I lived next door to a grocery wholesale place that sold groceries to restaurants in San Diego. And they, for whatever reason, have a had a podcast studio that they opened up because um, they wanted to get into media and doing YouTube videos on cooking and stuff. And they were like, let's do a podcast thing. And um, I went in and I knew all the girls that worked there because I shopped there all the time because they were my next door neighbors. And I said, yo, can I get in there? And they said, yeah, we got one more spot left. Sure. And it was, it was, they were totally new. It was free. Like the whole thing was an experiment. And I got in there and that's when I fell in love with podcasting. And I actually told my story of being bipolar. And right now I can tell it in a way that 
you know, I'm, I'm very calm and collected, but when I was telling it, I was bawling the whole time for an hour and it felt so cathartic. And that's when I really started speaking out publicly about mental health. But I felt as if, and it's interesting because the work was being done for me, right? Like the studio produced it, edited it, did everything. And so I put in minimal work. And so I felt as if the return was minimal because my energy wasn't being put into it a hundred percent. And I felt like I needed to shift and do something and it was stale. And I was at the Ojai Valley Inn and Spa for my sister's birthday. And we were a little bit drunk off rosé and getting massages and totally being bougie and whatever. And I said, you know, I don't have a podcast episode for next week. Do you want to go into the business center and just record on our phones? We ate truffle chips the whole time. We talked about The Bachelor. Like it was so ridiculous. We were like totally tipsy. And I just loved being with my sister and the energy was so infectious. And so two weeks later, I said, yo, you want to start a podcast together? And we started OKSIS, which has been extremely like more successful than I ever expected it to be. And not only that, it's given me a bond with my sister that is insane. Um, Uh, And so that's really my biggest takeaway. We are so close, so close. And um, yeah, it's been a crazy, crazy ride with the podcasting. That is so fun. And uh, is she your only sibling? Do you have other siblings? So she's my only biological sibling, but I have four step siblings, um, but they came into my life when I was about 17, 18. So she was the only sibling I grew up with. Yeah. Very fun. And as part of that, though, part of that journey, you started a PR agency to help other podcasts. um, Right. I mean, tell tell me, Mm -hmm. tell me, why did you start this? Like, how did this come about? Yes. So I um, had always had an entrepreneurial bug in me. I started my own magazine when I was 23 and we sold it in Barnes and Noble locations and newsstands nationwide. We had the musician Halsey on the cover and I always kind of wanted to get back to that running my own thing. And um, my life went through a bunch of different stages. Long story short, I was working for my mom and um I, my, we signed actually a PR agency from our podcast, OK Sis. And it wasn't a right fit. The deliverables weren't being delivered, you know, no, no bad on them. It just wasn't working for us. And I just had this idea that, you know, I, I could do this better essentially. And we were getting huge guests on our podcast really early. We, you know, we do a lot of pop culture stuff. So we were getting like, you know, bachelor stars on and huge content creators And we were getting written up about in like locale magazine and, you know, stuff like that. And I was meeting with a past OKSIS guest for dinner and she's like, you know, you guys should help other podcasters. And then it just kind of took a month for those two experiences to mesh in my brain. And I had the idea that I wanted to help podcasters get guests get themselves as guests on other podcasts and do traditional PR. And the minute I had the idea, um, when I have an idea and it's in alignment, it's like, there's no stopping me. I'm, I'm like, it's done. We're done. We're doing it. Sure. I don't care who says that it's my, my dad and my um, husband were like, you have too much on your plate. Are you crazy? Um, I had my graphic designer whip up a media kit for me and I emailed over a thousand podcasts in the first two weeks. Wow. And I gained a roster of 10 by August. I started in, at the end of February and I quit my day job in June. And um, I opened an office in September and hired my first employee by September. And then we hit um, a six-figure revenue in our first year. 
And um, now we're opening up the floor to um, not just podcasters, but mostly women brands, businesses, Mm -hmm. um, product lines, and um, or content creators. Amazing. So it sounds like um, by starting your own business, and I just want people to know it's called Scouts Agency, right? Which is Mm -hmm. so funny because when I first got an email from you and I saw that the name was Scout Sobel, I... I swear. And now is Scout your real name? That's my first question. Oh, if I had, you know, if I told you I'd have to kill you or something. No, I'm just kidding. It's it's my nickname. It's my nickname, but I won't tell you my real name. Because uh, when I saw the email, I thought, wait, is that, is that the name of the company? Is that a person? Like I was confused for a bit because, mm-hmm. because it fits perfectly, you know, like you're scouting yeah. out. I mean, it was just such an alignment. It was crazy. So how has this idea of starting the experience of starting your own PR agency impacted your mental health? Like, has that helped it? Has it hurt it? How, you know, how has that been for you? Yeah. So, um, I was known as the girl who started and quit things. Um, so I had a magazine and then I was the director of operations and founding member member of a women's digital media site. And then I started a blog and then I started a podcast and then I started another podcast and then I started working for my mom and then I started Scouts Agency. And I always knew that I was an entrepreneur and what entrepreneurs do is they try out a bunch of things to figure out what sticks. Mm -hmm. And I knew something was going to stick. And my motto was fail as many times as you can and as quickly as possible so that you can reach success faster. And so the one thing, and I don't really, you know, put too much thought into what other people think of me, but the one thing that I think hurt me the most was that my family and friend or my family wasn't sure that I could start and finish a project and have it be financially successful and not just quote unquote a hobby. Mm -hmm. And so when I started Scouts Agency and the money started coming in, um, that's when I really gained confidence in myself as a business owner. Um, And so the main thing Scouts Agency has given me is a a large amount of confidence in myself, in my capabilities. I'm competent because my biggest fear is being an unfunctioning member of society due to my disorder. Mm -hmm. And so with Scouts Agency, I've proven the exact opposite with that. And so that fills me with such a pride, a personal pride um, that, you know, I just revel revel in myself, but it's it's also held me accountable, right? I I have clients, I have payroll to make, I have a rent to make for my office. And so on days when I might not feel my best, it's not just about me. There are other people in lives and that are counting on me to show up. Yes, I'm not doing brain surgery or, you know, feeding the homeless necessarily, but there are people that are counting on me to mm-hmm. deliver. And so having that accountability and that responsibility that falls all on my shoulders, it's not just like I can quit a job and that my boss will go on and find a replacement and the company will continue on. Mm-hmm. If I don't continue on, Scouts Agency is no longer. So Scouts Agency and I are one in the sense that when I breathe, it breathes. And if I stop, it stops. And so that kind of um, relationship I have with it really gives me a sense of purpose. And the fact that I've been able to execute on it so successfully gives me a sense of confidence, not only in my business acumen, but in my mental strength capabilities that I can do something like this. Mm -hmm. So good. So um, we will have links to your website, your agency's website, your your, your, uh, podcast, in our show notes, of course, people can find you on Instagram at Scout Sobel, um, which is awesome. So we'll link there. But if somebody is listening today and they're struggling, you know, they're struggling either with their own mental health or 
you know, maybe they felt like they've started a bazillion things and haven't been able to keep going or something. What would you want to say to them? What encouragement would you share with them today? My main thing is you set the standard for your life, not society, not your friends, not whoever you think you should be listening to. You set the standard for your life. And if you set the standard high and you commit to that standard, your life will follow along. So find it in yourself, even though it's dark and even though it's discouraging and you don't understand where your life is going, find the standard that you want, right? That you want to live by and little by little inch towards it. And it will come to you eventually if that's what you're holding high over your head. And my main thing is if you ever say, you know, well, I'm in a job, but this is just for now. Or, you know, I'm depressed now because I'm doing this, but it's just for now, I'll get out of it you know, that's you setting a low standard for your life. So show up for yourself. If no one else, just show up for yourself. Block out every single noise you've ever heard, your family's opinions, your friends' opinions, your spouse's opinions. Set the standard and reach toward that standard every day. Awesome. Thank you so much, Scout. I'm I'm inspired by your story and your life. And I love you're making a difference in the world, right? You're providing incredible value to your clients. And not only to your clients, you provide value to me by, you know, connecting me with people that um, I maybe don't know about or wouldn't have the connection to. Um, so you're, pro- you're providing all sorts of value to the world. And um, my hope is that that feels super fulfilling for you uh, <laughs> in the process. So thank you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure connecting. If you found this episode with Scout to be inspiring or helpful in any way, please share it with a friend. Take a screenshot on your phone, text it to them, and tell them to subscribe to the Inspiration Rising podcast on their favorite podcast app. And be sure to check out my new book, Empowered to Rise. It's available on Amazon via the special link, insporising.com slash book. All right, love you guys. Have a wonderful week.